I'm going to read from Matthew uh, 13, and it's the parable of the sower. And I apologize, that clip was meant to run a lot faster and be a lot more interesting than that. Uh, Who knows, it it may work uh, later if we get a chance, otherwise we'll just flag it. But I'll I'll read Matthew 13 out, and it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, such a large, uh, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, "A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it all up. Some fell on rocky, uh, rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly." But because the soil was shallow, uh, when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. And then Jesus said this thing that um, Aaron uh, actually touched on a couple of weeks ago. Jesus yelled. Well, I take it as a yelled. It says uh, that he that he called out, "Whoever has ears, let them hear." Jesus didn't do that very often, so. I suspect when I read this and I hear that Jesus actually added like emphasis to it by saying, whoever has ears, let him hear. I think it was something that Jesus wanted us to take notice of. And uh, so I've been pondering this scripture and uh, what it can mean. And I just want to speak about that this morning. Uh, But I'll pray. Father, we just uh, come to you. And we pray that you'll uh, bring meaning out of uh, the word this morning. And as we look to your scriptures, Father, give it context, give it uh, meaning uh, so we can run a race for you. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. How many like gardening? How many, how, how many don't like gardening? A bit less than half. How many do like gardening again? Oh, actually, it's probably even. Okay, it's cool. We we were at Celia and Ian's house for a cup of tea uh, a couple of days ago, and they they have some absolutely beautiful flowers in their garden at the moment. And Gina said, "Oh, I just love your flowers. What were they called? Gladioli. I always thought they're called gladiolas. Um, well, that's what, how I had heard people pronounce them anyway. But they're gladioli. Um, so." Uh, Celia ran out and cut her some and I said no no leave them in the garden because they look beautiful when you cut them they die and but either way they shrivel up don't they so we've got some beautiful fresh cut gladioli in our uh, lounge at the moment and I'm not really a green finger um, or don't really have green fingers and am not particularly great at it but uh such beautiful stuff comes from seeds when you think about it. You know, all these amazing plants and life originates from seed. And Jesus takes the time to talk about seeds, what comes from seeds. Uh, a mustard tree and from a little itty-bitty mustard seed. And he talks about this. And it just occurs to me that the story of the sower and the story of the seeds 
is about more than just seeds. And so I want to just focus on a few things with that and, and just touch on a few things. And one of the things that, that I've thought about as I was um, looking at this is the fact that Jesus didn't say the seeds were different. He said a sower went to sow some seeds and, and he basically just scattered them. And it, it wasn't actually so much about the seeds, was it? This, every seed was equal. Every seed was the same in the sower's hands. He threw them out. And as I was reading, the, and the disciples, as, as they're listening to Jesus, they didn't quite understand why he spoke in parables so often. And so they came to him after that and they said, like, why do you talk like that? Why do you, why do you say stuff in parables? And they had a conversation about that. And uh, Jesus told them some stuff. But then he came back to the parable he was talking about with the seeds. And, and he carried on with it. And he said uh, what it means. And he said, uh, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown on the path. The seed falling on rocky, uh, rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but their worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what is sown. So I come back to my thought. All seed is the same. So the big difference there was where was the seed sown? And we know that it was sown, some, some were scattered along the path, and, and as uh, Jesus says, scattered along the path, and it indicates the message or the seed that goes out and the message that isn't understood by people. When I was thinking about this a little further, I was thinking, I wonder if, I mean, Jesus is using this. He said it's, it's the message of the kingdom. And I thought, okay, that's the message of the kingdom when we don't know about the kingdom. But then even when we learn about the kingdom, we're, we're not on a journey that stopped, are we? We're on a journey that continues. You know, the Bible says that when we come to God, we are, we're, uh, are saved and we're being saved. And if you've been around for a while, you were saved. I, I gave my life to Christ at age 15, and I was saved at that point. I'm still saved today. And in the future, God is still working on, and I'm still working on, me continuing to be saved. I'm not planning to stray away or, or you know, walk away from him. So I continue that work, that journey in God. And as I was thinking about it more, that 
the message of the kingdom is really a continuing message of the kingdom, isn't it? God's dropping stuff into our lives every single day. Sometimes we listen, sometimes we hear it, sometimes we're tied up with other stuff and we don't get it. But I think God is dropping through His Holy Spirit, is journeying with us and wanting to journey with us and tell us stuff every single day about Him, about His character, about His plans for us, about things we're to do, things that we've done, things that we're still to do, and things about the kingdom. And so when that is snatched away through different circumstances and that things come into our lives and we allow thought processes to come in and and snuff out the messages of the kingdom, it's a little bit like the thorns, isn't it? They they see that the seeds were planted in good soil. I mean the soil had everything it needed to grow the seed. But the seed was the soil was contaminated with rivals. It was contaminated with thorns. And, uh, you know, as I think about life, we can have thought life. We can have uh, friends who, you know, we, we might believing, be believing for something, but we might have friends who say, oh, no, nah, that's never going to happen in your life. And that, that kind of can choke out the message of the kingdom. Messages of the kingdom, messages that God has for us. And, and so I was thinking, you know, the story of the seeds is not really a parable that is just for when we weren't saved or didn't know about God and hadn't made the decision from it. It's a continuing, everlasting kind of story. And uh, so it's good to think about this stuff. The other seeds that was sown and that um, the birds came and ate them off the path, the second uh, lot of seeds um, fell in stony soil. And it occurs to me that if we're not putting stuff into our foundation, and this is really what we're talking about here, the topic today is actually when a foundation runs deep, when a foundation runs deep. You see, we can be given seeds, And we can be given a life by God, but if we don't have a foundation that is adequate to support what we're given, and we don't have a, uh, we don't reinforce that by keeping the soil rich so the seed can grow, by keeping everything going, these three conditions um, produce different results. The stony, they were scorched and died. The thorny got choked out. But the good soil produced great fruit, 60 30, 100, or 30, 60, 100, or 100, 60, 30, as it's said there. It's interesting, this parable is spoken about, and I think this is why we should also pay some attention, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all speak about this parable. And it's interesting when you look at those numbers, this says it backwards, 100, 60, 30. Uh, Mark says it the other way around, 30, 60, 100. And John just says 100, which is interesting, which actually adds more weight to it for me um, for some other reasons. But it all comes down to the quality of the soil. So what I realize in my life is the foundations that I build into my life support what comes out in my world. If I've got stuff in my life that's messy and untidy and, uh, and that messy stuff will 
potentially come out of my life. If I've got a whole bunch of hurt in my life and I need, I need some counselling or uh, I need to deal with that stuff and that, I may have some anger issues. I may have some stuff popping out. I may have some times where I just explode with people in that and because it, it comes out. But when I deal with stuff in my life and my foundation in that, it actually starts to sort some of the fruit that we start to see. So quite often as, as a church and, and as people, we can see people with uh, things happening in their lives. And the way I always look at it is the root and the fruit. We, we sometimes see some behaviors that we think, oh, that's not so great, you know, um, such a great thing to have. But we need to remember that quite often it's a fruit and we need to look deeper as what is causing that to happen. And so we, uh, you know, sometimes people uh, go and get counselling. Sometimes people find a myriad of ways of dealing with situations to resolve those situations. But quite often it's dealing with the root, dealing with the foundation. When I was policing, uh, I went down to Christchurch just after the uh, Christchurch earthquakes occurred. And there was one building in particular, I think it might have been the CU building or CNU building or something. Um, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, which it could be. Uh, but it stayed standing. And the, and the large building that it was was actually on a lean and they were really concerned that it was going to topple as well and obviously cause more damage or harm to people in that. So I think they used uh, probably pneumatic jacks and they actually got under and actually raised the foundation where it was tilting, actually managed to get the building kind of more right. And then they pumped concrete under to stabilise it. And then over the course of, I think it was a year or two, they deconstructed that building floor by floor by floor because it couldn't be saved. Its foundation was shot and it couldn't be saved. They they were able to stabilise it for a short period of time, but probably next earthquake it would be shaken and it would uh, fall under the stress of it. So foundations are important. What, what we do with our foundations is important. And uh, the Bible's full of talk about foundations. You know, you look at the Bible, uh, Proverbs 1 starts Solomon talking about, you know, read these Proverbs. They're designed to give you wealth and life. And he's not talking about money, money, wealth. He's talking about knowledge and understanding, and he says, they can even help a foolish person to become wise. If you're wise, they can help you to become wiser than you are by just reading and understanding the principles that sit behind them. But what's he really talking about? He's talking about foundations, isn't he? He's talking about shoring up foundations, building solid foundations of understanding and wisdom into our lives. Jesus talked about the, uh, the foolish man and, and, and the wise man who built their house on, uh, firstly on the rock and then on the sand. The storm came, the rock stood, the house on the rock stood, the house on the sand was gone. What was he talking about? Foundations. Building your house on something that really matters. The Bible is concerned about what, what we build our lives on. Bob Dylan, uh, I used to love Bob Dylan. In fact, I'm probably, you know, if I had to draw up a list of people who discipled me, 
I'm not, and I'm not stretching it, Bob Dylan would be one of them. His music when he was first saved was so uh, radically saved, you know, Slow Train Come In and Shot of Love and all that stuff. And he just sung a lot of wisdom in his songs and that. And you know, he's he's not the greatest singer in the world. I love his voice, uh, but I've, I've had a whole lifetime to get used to it. Uh, but... But the guy's a poet, and he's a phenomenal poet, and he, he sang uh, a song, and um, uh, I think it was called, yeah, it was Slow Train Coming, I th- think, no, When You're Gonna Wake Up, it's called When You're Gonna Wake Up, and he sings this one line in it that I've always remembered, strengthen the things that remain, strengthen the things that remain, and he was talking about the eroding morals of America in that song, and he was talking about uh, that America was throwing away all of its history in pursuit of things that sounded trendy, uh, following uh, witch doctors and spiritual mediums and stuff like that, but every chorus he would come to, the last line would be, strengthen the things that remain. He was talking about, come back to what is the real foundation. And uh, it's, it's just something that's always stuck with me. And I've always remembered, you know, in our lives, we need to focus on our foundation, on the things that are really important that remain. So what can undermine our foundation. Now, I've just thought about a few a few things. It's not a big list. I mean, you can read the Bible, and it's got lists of things, and uh, in the New Testament, and that that are not great for um, when you head down that path and start behaving that way. Uh, it's not great. But I've thought about you know in Lane Park Church as a environment, as a church, as a collection of people all journeying God together. What kind of things can damage it and uh, from my perspective it's you know if I as a pastor or the elders or any of us allow blatant um, sinful kind of behaviors to go unchecked now that doesn't I need to qualify that because it sounds can sound judgy Um, I don't mean that we're all perfect I don't mean that we're not all working on stuff because we are. I don't mean that you have to have it all together to come to church. If you haven't got together, got it all together, please come to church. You can keep me company. I haven't got it together either. Um, you know, I'm the first to put my hand up. I don't have it all together. You know, my life is not in God's sight, not all squeaky. Uh, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. But if there's blatant sin that's allowed to run rampant, it can impact the foundation of church and undermine it. And I I was thinking back to uh, being in leadership some years ago, um, had some, a couple that liked each other and decided they would start living together. And that's, I mean, it's a free country, free world, The, the individuals, the adults, they're free to do that. But they had been Christians for a long time and they knew God's principles. And um, and so they started, moved in together and lived together and, and, and then they wanted to come, start going to a life group and they were basically telling everyone that they banged into, um, God's totally okay with it and we're just trying a different way of living. Um, that is not a great message and that for people who have been around for a long time and know better 
is not a great way to have an environment. So I had to step in and have a meeting with them. And, and I actually begged them, I kid you not, I begged them to do it right, do it God's way. If they loved each other, get married and, uh, and come, you know, bring it to God and do it right. Um, but they chose not to. They, um, they chose that they wanted to do it their way, like a certain singer. And uh, so they left church. And um, I think I was public enemy number one for a little while. And, and that despite trying to resolve things and, and mend bridges and that. But the cool thing is the standard was kept and they knew that there was a standard that, you know, they could change the standard. But in God's principles and God's kingdom standards like that don't change. We don't. He doesn't change because I want to do things a different way. I, he is my Lord. He is my King. I am under His rule, His set of principles. And so the cool thing is, is they went on and they got married, I think, last year. And we saw them earlier this year. They're back in church. And I think they've probably had to sort it all out. But it brought them back and it helped resolve that situation. The other alternative I would have had was just turn a blind eye to it and let it run its course. And the life group that they would have, which were a collection of kind of newish sort of people to faith, would have thought, oh, it must be all right. It must be all right to live together. So we would have had a whole bunch of people and we would have had an epidemic of people choosing to do it their way. Um, so that's what I mean. But it needs to be done with great grace. And as I said, I begged them to do it right. Do it God's way. Don't, don't do this, you know. It's, it's not the way. Um, the second thing, uh, really damaging thing, is gossip in a church or gossip just in any kind of situation at all is the most one of the most damaging things that we can do. <coughs> and I've I've always said, if you're not part of the problem or you're part of the solution and you're talking about it, that is gossip. If you're not part of the problem or part of the solution and you're talking about it, that's gossip. Um, so I've had times in, in my workplace and that where I've had to stop having lunch with work groups and that because they the whole lunch hour was spent gossiping and tearing people down and, and just backstabbing people. And I just felt every lunchtime at the end of it, like I needed to go and have a shower and wash all this filth off that I'd heard about people that I liked, um, that I didn't, that probably wasn't even true, and I didn't need to know. So I actually made a decision to stop having lunch with them because gossip is that damaging. So we need to, the Bible says we should speak well of one another. We should pray for one another. Even if you're not my friend, I should pray for you. Jesus said, even if you're my enemy and you're doing bad stuff to me, I should pray for you. That should be my response. It shouldn't. It doesn't give me an opportunity to gossip, tear you down, think any less of you. I'm to hold you up because I live under a different standard than my enemies. And so I am to pray. I am to respond well and rightly. Uh, third thing is uh, a bad attitude towards others um, that are openly shown and go about unchecked. So we just need to, with our relationships and that with one another and in life in general, 
work on loving each other. And if we got a gripe with someone, sort it out. Have a coffee. Talk it through. You know, I've been to those awkward meetings where stuff like that has to get done sometimes. And I know they're awkward, but it's better afterwards. It's better to cut cancer out than leave it in and let it spread through the whole body. The whole body will die. You've lost the person when cancer spreads. But if we can cut cancer out, if we can cut these kind of things out before they take root, it can be better. And the last one that I'll touch on, and probably the most important, is learning, uh, leaving our first love. We will never leave our first love as a church. We will preach Jesus uncompromisingly. We will stay white hot in God. Yeah? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's one of the things that was mentioned um, in Revelations was, you're fantastic. You're amazing. You're an incredible church. You know, you love the poor. You love this. You love that. You do all this great stuff. But you've done this. You've lost your first love. You've left it behind. And I often think to myself, you know, measure myself and I say, you know, God, I come back to the first love. I, in fact, I think I did it just a couple of weeks ago. Just thought, when was the last time I did it? I don't know. Maybe it's cold. Maybe I've, maybe I've left it. No, I prayed. God, I come back to my first love. Never leave our first love. Always stay fresh in God, topped up in God, hanging on God. He's our everything that we need in life. So I just give that to you as an encouragement. You know, my, my hope this year is that with ever more clarity, you hear His voice this year as your year carries on. That you know His will for your life as the year goes on. That you live out His great commission as your year goes on. And if you don't know what that means, it means loving God and loving others. And telling them loving God so much that you can't keep your mouth shut. you just got to tell everyone about Him. Not in a bullshit, push it down their throat way. Sometimes you might not even talk to them about it. You may just use some actions until the opportunity's there. I'll pray. Father, I thank you for this great bunch of people. And I just pray your blessing upon them. And I pray for us, every, uh, every single person here this year, that we will uh, run our race hard in you this year. I don't mean that we wear ourselves up, but I mean we're true to you. We stay true to north and we run in your direction. Father, I pray. Be with us. Make us effective in our workplaces, in our homes, in our friendships. Help us to have good relationships with people. Relationships that, that people would just realize we've got to be different. We've got to be different. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, and one thing I'm just conscious of as well is how many education people have we got in the room uh, starting school this week? Have we got many around? Probably quite a few of them are off in the classes. But how about those of you that are either teachers, you're involved in any kind of education, either as a teacher, a lecturer, a support person, a student, 
uh, whatever you're doing, if you're doing something that requires learning, how about you um, stand up now? And I'd love to pray for you guys right at the start. We should have... Anyone? One, two, three. Oh, 50,000. Oh, there you are, Shannon. I thought you weren't here. I was looking at the wrong seat. (coughs) I'll pray for you guys and you guys can let everyone else know that uh, isn't in the room that we prayed for them and uh, by proxy they are now in heaven. I'm joking. Um, Father, I lift up these people to you, Father, and I pray, Father, if they're teaching or support staff or whatever, or the students, that you will give them great success in what they do this year. We just pray, Father, for the important job that teachers do, the the great things that they bring out in people and uh, the fact that people look back on their lives and, and they're marked dramatically often by the impact of teachers and they can remember teachers' names and remember things that were said to them. And I just pray that you'll just help them uh, to have great positive impacts in people's lives. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray if there's any students here that you'll uh, give them great success with their studies and that they'll pass everything with flying colours. Father, in Jesus' name, amen.